the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here in the book of Jonah, we've got a marvelous view of the gospel, and it is our final view before we move on out of that book of Jonah. Join us for our final look at Jonah, the end of the law for righteousness, again, next on Way of Grace. Again, welcome to today's broadcast of Way of Grace, coming to you from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Pastor Jesse Gastand has us in Jonah one last time. His message is called The End of Law for Righteousness Again. And we are looking at the similarities between the story of Jonah and how this really shines as far as the gospel is concerned. We begin with a cross-reference, Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. That is where we catch up with Pastor Jesse on today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. Hear it again, children of God, and rejoice with your pastor and with many of these people who actually know the gospel. You and I are not saved by works of righteousness, which we have done. We don't even remotely look to the covenant of works. We look to a new and greater and better covenant. A covenant made by God with his son, without hands, eternal in the heavens. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. For what the law could not do. Do you see it? For what the law could not do in that it was weak through what? Our flesh. Our flesh. Not its own flesh. This is Hebrews 7. Our flesh. It was fault. It was filled with fault because it didn't actually have the design to take out that old heart and put in a new heart. That's new covenant theology. Do you all understand that? The new covenant promises I will take out the stony heart. And I will put in a heart of flesh. That's Hebrews 8. And I will write my laws on their hearts and their minds. And I will give them my spirit. And I will cause them to walk in my commandments. Sounds like grace to me, Brother Mac. Sounds just like grace to me. How about y'all? Has God come to you and touched you by the power of the gospel? Has he taken out that stony heart, put in a heart of flesh? Do we give him glory for it? We give him glory for it. So it's important for you to understand that Jonah is picturing for us a major mistake that Israel made. Look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7 uh, for a moment. Hebrews 8, 7, and I'm going to look at Hebrews 9. Hebrews 8, 7, for if that first covenant, what covenant is that? The covenant of works. The covenant of law. For the first covenant had, for if the first covenant had been what? And that's the temporary covenant of the law. Now, you notice what the Hebrew writer is saying? It was full of faults. Now, we know that because Israel never kept them. And it wasn't designed for them to be perfected by that works system. Notice carefully, you guys. I think you get it. Then should no place have been sought for what? Please hear me. There's no such thing as needing a new covenant if the old covenant worked. 
This is why all of my gals and uh, men and women here, when they run across legalists and they run across the uh, black Hebrew Israelites and all of these other cult groups talking about the old covenant, the old covenant. First thing you understand is they're blind. They're blind to the glory of the son of the living God, who is the ground and essence of the new covenant. That means if you can't help them see that they're dealing with a temporary, would not do, could not do covenant of works, which Israel didn't keep. Why do they think they going to keep it? And then it's worse than that. Israel had an opportunity like Jonah to get it right because Jesus hadn't come yet. Now that Jesus has come, there is no excuse. Should you lean upon the covenant of works today? As if somehow it has merit, you are a borderline blaspheming God who sent his beloved son into the world to declare a righteousness which he himself fulfilled and gives to men and women freely by grace through faith apart from works. And if I'm daddy and I give my son in order to save your soul and you decide to go somewhere else for salvation, you at war with me. You're at war with me. You're at war with me. Ladies and gentlemen, are you hearing what I'm saying? This is why the gospel is about grace. It's about grace. It's about grace. It's about grace. I think I persuaded you. Let's look at the next thing that God does because I only got about 10 minutes before we get these people in the water. Look at point number two, sub point B. Not only do we have a prepared gourd of temporary uh, comfort for which uh, God, he raised this thing up. Let me make, make sure that we get this. You're in chapter four, verse six. Now the text tells us that the Lord God prepared a gourd, made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to, to deliver him from his grief. Now God argues that that gourd came up in a night and it went down in a night. Y'all got that? So first of all, I want you to understand that we're not dealing with an absolute total miracle apart from uh, what we would call uh, conventional or natural mechanisms. Please understand these kind of gourds in the Old Testament that they are using in the English language. Kikirion is the uh, Hebrew term. A Kikirion is a Hebrew term for several kinds of plants in that culture that grew quickly out of the ground. And they had leaves that were so massively large that they could easily cover the head. In fact, the way the theologians put it, almost to a man, I'm not going to spend a long time here. What they would simply tell you and I to do, don't think that we're just dealing with some concoction that God does out of thin air. He simply accelerated the growth of these very same plants where it would take them three months to become 13 feet tall with several feet wide of leaves. And they were constantly used as a covering for shade. Am I making some sense? God simply increased the time. And notice what he did in his mercy. I think you believe me now, but once you do your research, you'll know what I'm saying is true. Um, when you consider what God did, he, he allowed this gourd to grow up in a night. That means when Jonah was sleeping, this is how much he cares for us. So that Jonah wakes up the next day knowing that he got to deal with the heat. And he got to deal with the heat because he built a boot that had all kind of holes in it. Now that represents your works and mine. It represents the fact that you and I are shoddy when it comes to bringing our own comfort. 
that you really need the comfort of God if you're going to really be comforted. Am I making some sense? But then again, I'm also saying, and I know this is true, that even when we're stupid, God is still good to us. It's true. Jonah wakes up and experiences them. Can you imagine him saying, man, I must have built a really good boo. A really good boo. And then he walks out and sees a gourd covering the whole thing. And he realizes that God was acting. But here's the problem. He took comfort in the boot and in the gourd. And the covenant of works did have an application to Israel. You guys know it because Mosaic law is absolutely critical. It was the sacrifices that they screwed up and they screwed it up because they were in love with idolatrous gods. Had they been able to keep that Mosaic law, it would have been adequate to get them into the promised land. Are you guys hearing me? And so here's Jonah now taking great joy in a gourd because it's still about Jonah. Let the mirror rise up and take a look at it and quit lying to yourself. Am I making sense? You see how easily we get all bent out of shape. One day we happy, the next day we mad. And that's because the gourd is not up there anymore. Now, this is wild. Jonah gets up. He is having a good time praising and going on because the gourd's up. (laughs) Then he goes to bed (laughs) and while he's sleeping, the Lord allows a worm. He prepares a worm. I know it's funny, but it's more theology than you know. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. We got to keep it moving. Look at verse 7. But God prepared a warm when the morning rose the next day and smote the gourd that it withered. Oh, what a worm. Two absolutely glorious truths for you to get. Do you believe the Bible is spiritual? Do you believe its theology runs all through every line? This gourd represents the covenant of works. And the only way this covenant of work can come to an end is if a worm consumes the whole thing. That worm is the Lord Jesus Christ, the savior of sinners. Do you guys hear what I just stated? You can find this out very simply in in, uh, Psalm 22, verse six. Look at the Psalm. Psalms lays it out. Jesus owns this title. Watch this. Notice what it says. But I am a what? Who's talking here? He's the one who said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this is a beautiful but humbling proposition because what Jesus is doing is hanging on the cross. Is he not? Saints, do y'all know your Bible? Is Jesus on the cross? He's on the cross under what? The curse of God. Why? For our sins. Why? In order to fulfill that old covenant. Jesus is putting an end to the old covenant by swallowing it up in himself. He's the worm that ate at the roots of that tree and sucked that whole thing down into himself so that the next day Jonah wakes up with heat on his head. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Is it coming home, children of God? But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. That's you and me. This is how low Christ humbled himself to take on the form of a worm. Now, may I help you with that? Y'all want to go a little deeper? The worm speaks to the curse and wrath of God. It's where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. And the Lord Jesus Christ is here now under the wrath of God, bearing the very thing that should happen to you and me. 
absorbing it in himself in order to put an end to the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. Is that what the Bible says? Let this humble you. Let this humble you. This is why we will take up next Friday's exposition of the cross of Christ, because no Christian should ever get far away from what our master bore for us on Calvary's tree. Never let it become a nonchalant thing for you. Never let it ever become a nonchalant thing. What wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. What wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul. That the infinite God, man, would not only take on a human nature, but become a worm that we might be redeemed. And this is born up out of the covenant of the law. Deuteronomy 28, verse 37. Listen to it. Deuteronomy 28, 37 through 39. I know you guys often are not used to this, but this church is. We teach, we teach, we teach because you got to be taught the gospel. You got to be taught the gospel. Listen, this is the curse of the law. This is what God said would happen to Israel if they rebelled against him. Watch this. And you shall become an astonishment and a proverb and a byword among all nations, whither the Lord shall lead thee. Is that what happened to Israel? Was not Jesus made an astonishment, a proverb and a byword on the cross? You see how Israel was pointing to the sufferings of Christ. Now look at the next verse. Verse 38, you shall carry much seed out into the field and you shall gather but little in for the locust shall do what? Now, ladies and gentlemen, you know what we call that? The takeaway. That's when you walk in rebellion against God and he cuts off your blessing. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? See, because God will give you increase according to his sovereign mercy, but largely because we walk in obedience, right? But when we disobey him, God starts bringing in famines. God start cutting off the blessing. God starts bringing trouble in your life. That's why our nation is in the trouble it's in right now. This is what's happening to America right now. Because America knew the gospel. It knew the God, the true and the living God. But it has walked away from God and has engaged in all of the neo-idol worship that anyone could ever imagine. And now God's cutting off the blessing. And the greatest blessing that God is cutting off right now is man's capacity to know God. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Here it is. Then you shall plant vineyards and you shall dress them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor of the grape. Here it is. For the worms shall eat them. You see what's happening to Jonah's gourd. It's in order that Jonah might know and be a picture for us of the curse of the law on national Israel for rejecting Jehovah. And when did they ultimately reject Jehovah? When he came unto his own and his own received him not. He was in the world, but the world knew him not. They actually took the visible Yahweh and killed him. And as a consequence, they came up under the covenant curse. This is why Jesus told his disciples, listen, when you see the abomination that makes desolate standing in the holy place, get on out because all of Israel is about to be trodden underfoot and scattered to the four winds. Y'all know that doctrine. Do y'all know that doctrine? The lesson here is very clear for you and me. 
Jonah is serving for us as a model of an obstinate believer who is collapsing again back up under the works of the law. What else are you going to do? If you're not walking in the grace of God and trusting in Christ and relying upon the sufficiency of his work to help you in your life, you're going to collapse back up under works. Am I making some sense? Or you're going to depart from the gospel and go into agnosticism or atheism. That's the only path. The only path is trusting a God of grace who's able to take your sin and do for you what you can't do. Or you're going to flee to legalism and self-righteousness and deceive yourself. Are you going to descend into agnosticism? Oh, no. So all of a sudden we don't know. When before we knew that God was great and Jesus is the Savior. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? All right, let me close this down because it's important to know. So he sent... He prepared a gourd. He prepared a worm. And I think you guys got it. And then he prepared an east wind. I love you, Lord. Look at verse eight. I'm shutting this down real here, right here. And it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah. That was a hot day. Now, this is how you actually have a conversation with your servant. Because, you know, Jonah was tripping because the gourd was gone and God increased the heat. And Jonah wished, having fainted, wished in himself to die. Ah, It's better for me to die than to live. Told you Jonah got problems. Y'all already know that, right? And we're more like Jonah than we want to admit. So understand this, child of God, as I close on this final point. Understand this. God has not one time in all of this narrative not been merciful. So don't blame God of being unmerciful when he's simply whipping your butt because he loves you. And half of it is going to be you suffering the consequences of your own stupid choices. Am I making some sense? Yeah. Here it is. (laughs) Melody, you sound like you just want to get at it, girl. You just want to get at it. Listen to our fourth point. Mercy prepared in Christ for his elect. This one's going to be simple because we want to move forward. Listen to what God says in verse nine. And God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the gourd? Now hear what he says. He says, I do. (laughs) I'm, I'm well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, you have had pity. See it? These, these are what we call parallelism, parallelisms in Hebrew construction because this God has actually set Jonah up to be the means of pity to every person that Jonah came into contact with. But Jonah himself does not recognize that that pity came from God and that what God pities are things that are far more valuable than what Jonah is pitying. Jonah's pitying a gourd. Now here's God's argument. Listen to it. Then the Lord says, you have had pity on the gourd for which you have not labored. Boy, you slept, woke up and were blessed. That's my interpretation. Neither did you make it to grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And here it is. Here is the trajectory of God's initial purpose summed up in verse 11. And should not I spare Nineveh? Do you see it? Should not I spare? That word means to show mercy. Isn't mercy God sparing, right? God sparing. Mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. 
Now, I want both of those. I want some grace and mercy. (laughs) I want some grace and some mercy. Do you? Because I'm broke. So I want God to give me some stuff. And I want him to give it to me without merit. And I want him to give me enough sense to know how to love him back for it. Because my generation of Christian folks love to receive from God and not give back. That's a dangerous thing, child of God. And God did all this for people that he's about to define now. Look at verse 11. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score? That's 120,000 persons. You see that? That's not the totality of the city. That's just the children. And we know it because they don't know their left hand from the right. Do you guys see that? Which means this, you have to multiply this by a factor of three to five, which means the city was larger than about a, a million people. Okay. Because they have children. And so Nineveh was great because of his history, as you and I have learned. But can you imagine that God has done all this for a group of children who don't know their left hand from their right hand. Are y'all with me? Can God be that way? Can it be in God's nature to love children who didn't ask to come here? They didn't ask. They didn't ask. And we're killing them in the womb. We're killing them in the womb. And we're killing them right, right out of the womb. That's what our elder was talking about, the policy. Up to seven days, you can still kill them. And Christians are going, tell me something else. And we're raping them and trafficking them all around the world. And we're giving them over to Babylon. We're raising them up in this world. And we know the enemy hates God. Painful. Painful. And I'm looking at my own self because I, you guys know I, I, I have kids and I love them and I have grandkids and I don't know what I'm going to do. I, you know, because they, they are in a jacked up world. They're in a jacked up world. Very, very, very bad world. And I'm trying to figure out how I can be a legacy to my grandkids that are now starting to become teenagers because I want them to know I didn't live for myself. That's what I want them to know. The reason why is they're, they're going to be 16, 17 years old in just a few years and swimming in the muck and mire of all of this vanity and foolishness and filth. Yes. And from what I understand, the Bible tells me that we are supposed to store up for our children and not the children for us. And so I, when I see this text and see all that God did, all that he did to save 120,000 children. It lets us know this is how he views his people. The Bible lays it out very clear, except you humble yourself and become like a little child, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. For such are the kingdom of heaven. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible tells us that you and I are viewed in the sight of the father and the son as children. Jesus said it. Isaiah chapter 8, 16 through 20. I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders. So the Lord Jesus is our big brother. 
that watches over the little children. In fact, in the New Testament, he spoke that way concerning grown men, little children. Do you have any bread, any fish? And John closes out his exhortation in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, when he says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. So God sees us as little children. And I'm glad for it, don't you? I'm glad he knows that we ultimately don't know our left hand from our right. I'm glad when his son hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm super glad. I'm super glad that we have a father that knows exactly how stupid we are. And in Christ loves us still. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 6.30. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible. or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible, and again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.